Thank you guys so much for being here on Memorial Day weekend. Come on. That's, that's some exciting thing here on Sunday morning, Memorial Day weekend. You get the day off tomorrow. Well, if you don't, sorry, but if you do, uh, awesome. Rest up. And even if you are working tomorrow, I pray you get some supernatural rest and get to calm down a little bit. But uh, I'm so excited to be here with you today. If it is your first time and I didn't get a chance to meet you yet, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Local City Church, and it's an honor to have you with us. We know it's a big deal where you choose to go to church, and we're honored to have you today. It's, it's, if it's your first time, you come once, you're a guest, you come back, you're family, because we want the best for you. We want you to know the life that God has for you. We want you, also want you to know Jesus and experience a relationship with him because he's the one who laid down his life for you and me. He forgave us and freed us and gave us this life that we get to live. And it's an honor to be a part of his church and build his church. And as we even said earlier, we believe that hope has a name and that name is Jesus. And it's wristbands we give out, it's on our signs. There is always hope because Jesus is always with us no matter what. And these last uh, few weeks, actually more than a few now, we're in week six of a conversation, a collection of talks that we've been doing on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is a teaching of Jesus included in his Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount happens, it starts in Matthew chapter 5, and it go on, goes on for a couple chapters, and essentially Jesus teaching about the things that he is doing here on earth, the life that he's inviting us to. What Jesus was doing was communicating to people in an approachable and accessible, but also true way, the love that God had for them and the character of God and the things that maybe the religious systems had lied to them about for a long time. That it was only for a segmented group of people who had been chosen or who had the right amount of knowledge or family line or whatever, and Jesus is coming and saying, no, 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 this love that God has for you, this community that God has for you, the life that God has for you, it's available to every single one of us. It's available to us, and I'm coming here to show you the posture of God's love. People all also probably ask sometimes, what would it look like if God walked among us? Well, I would encourage you to look at the life of Jesus and to look at what he says, because he came to show us what God's love is like, but also to give his life because we've messed up. There's no perfect people here at local city church because we've all made mistakes. We've all messed up and we needed forgiveness and that's what Jesus gave us. And the Sermon on the Mount is kind of the building of this platform of what Jesus was teaching. And he starts it off with the Beatitudes, saying that, hey, here is what God intended. Here is the life that you've been created to live. If you want to know what life is about, look at the Beatitudes. If you want to know the way to live the full life that God has created us for, look at the Beatitudes. And I'm going to read them for you just to be a nice refresher for you, and then we'll unpack the Beatitude that we're having a conversation on this morning, as well as doing a, a special thing during the message as well um, for this Beatitude. So in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1 here, it says, One day... As he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. And they gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Here's what he says. And it says God blesses on all these verses. Just want to remind you, in other translations, it says the word blessed. What Jesus is saying, he's not just saying God blesses, or he's not just saying blessed. He's saying this word that pretty much means here is the happiness and joy that does not change in your life. Here is how you find confirmation and foundation of the life that you've been created to live. And a lot of times, even in Jesus' time, it's very countercultural to what's easy and sometimes what's celebrated in our culture today. Here's what it says. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. The beatitude we're going to be talking about today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If you'll circle or underline those two phrases, pure in heart and see God. I love those two words, see God, that Jesus is instructing us that there is an opportunity for you and I to see God in our life. If you're familiar with Scripture or the Bible at all, you realize that seeing God was a big deal. If you see the life of Moses, who is an incredible leader in the Old Testament, led a few million people out of slavery and parted the Red Sea and water from a rock, that guy, like Moses, he had a close friendship with God where they would meet up on, a t- on a top of a mountain every day. And he would meet with God and talk with God and pray for the people. And one time Moses pretty much asked God, hey, can I see you? I just want to be able to tell the people about you and if it would help if I could see your presence and see who you are. And God says, well, if you were to see me, you would die. But what I'm going to let you do is I'm going to hide your face as I pass by and then you'll be able to see my back and see my glory. The Bible tells us that that moment was so powerful, so full of the radiance of God that when Moses comes down from the mountain, people couldn't even look at him because his face was so white. His face was shining. Now, I'm a pale guy. When I'm out in the sun, my face is pretty shiny. But this is like a beaming spotlight of light coming out of the radiance of glory that he just experienced. But remember, now we live on the other side of Jesus. We live after Jesus has given his life, after Jesus has made a way for us to have relationship with God again and be forgiven of our sin. And so Jesus is saying, when you're pure in heart, you can see God. See, a lot of times our world would tell us, and this is the tension today, that the thing you want to see is success in your life. The thing you want to see is acceptance in your life. The thing you want to see is performance, is wealth. There's a lot of followers on our social medias. We want to see those things. People recognize us and know who we are. But Jesus is reminding us that the most important thing in life is to see God. And that's the invitation for all of us day in and day out. But how does it happen? It doesn't just happen. It starts with blessed are the pure in heart. If you'll look at the first line thing I want you to write down, it's this, is that this shows us that Jesus cares or is so concerned with our heart. Jesus is very concerned about the thing inside of us. Jesus is very concerned about our heart. And our heart is very important in our life. I don't know if you can't live without one of those. And if you don't have one, you need a fake one, or you need something to keep it regulated. A heart is very important. It controls three main different things in our body. The first thing, (coughs) excuse me, the first thing that it does is it pumps our body full of blood, which you can't live without blood. You need that. It's the essence of life. And the heart pumps that through our body. Very important. The second thing is, is that our heart has a specific rate to which it beats. If it's too fast or too slow, that's not a good thing. So it keeps us in a healthy rhythm. And the third thing is, it affects our pressure, our blood pressure, which affects how much we can take and how much we're able to do. And I think spiritually, we we also need to keep the importance of what our heart does for us spiritually. 
It pumps us with the thing we need to live, the power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. It keeps our heart rate up and down. It keeps the rate of rhythm of our life slower or faster. It keeps us at a healthy rhythm that whether life is slow or whether life is going crazy, we can keep taking one step after the other. And then when pressure comes, it keeps us in a healthy posture of pressure. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter that, hey, cast all your cares on Jesus because he cares about you. So it helps us reg- regulate these three things as well. Because the second thing to write down is that out of the heart are all the issues of life. From the heart are all the issues of life. If you got an issue today, check your heart. If you got an issue today, look within. If you're dealing with something, it might be because your heart is a little unhealthy. It may be because your heart's been clouded. It may be because your heart is a little impure this morning. And we're going to come to this in a humility approach of understanding that no one's better than the other one, and we all have to ask this question today, where is the purity level of our heart? Remember, that was something we had a pool at my house, and you know, my dad always had to test the purity level of all the levels. I put the chemicals in so it looked nice and clear, not too much chlorine and all that. Because if you got in, then you, your eyes would be bloodshot after you got out. You had to measure the purity level. It comes with our water, right? Like, I'm a dad that is just always trying to build up my son's immune system. Like, I, I grew up in a, in a generation that, you know, if we needed water, the hose was right there. So let's go. I mean, it's right. And so now it's like, you can't do that. I turned out fine. I think most of us turned out fine, right? Like at the park, uh, sometimes we'll forget Shepherd's water bottle. And Adrian's like, well, we got to go home. Shepherd's thirsty. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's a, there's a water fountain right over there. She's like, do you, know, do you know how many germs are on that thing? Do you know where that's been? Yeah, it's at the park to tell people who are thirsty. And so I'm like, let's go. But then I just noticed something the other day that I noticed that Shepherd has been doing is that he hasn't learned like the whole don't put your mouth like on the spout thing. So I walked over and he was like, ah, like all over there. And he's been good though, you know, building the immune system. He's all good. He's not sick. He's hanging in there. I got a little bit of a talking to when I got home from my wife, but that's okay. But we care about purity. We care about cleanliness on all these exterior things. But I would encourage you today to care about the purity and cleanliness of your heart as well, to not let it be affected or polluted by things that are not of God. So let's pray today and let's lean into that this morning. God, I'm so thankful for these beatitudes. I'm so thankful for this conversation. I'm so thankful for the teaching that you've given us. And God, I just pray today that you would help us today lean in and and open our heart to you and listen to the things that you have for us. God, I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for these people that are here today. God, I want to honor our kids team who is next door right now teaching our kids about Jesus and teaching them about who you are. I pray today that they would, even at this young age, fall in love with you and realize church is a place they can have fun, but also experience God. And that would change their life forever as we believe in the next generation. And God, come on, we're praying. Game one this Wednesday, we don't know who we're playing, but we know the Lightning are continuing on in the Eastern Conference Finals. And so we're just praying, God, for your grace and your favor, whatever that looks like, a win or a loss, but we'd like a win. In Jesus' name, we all say in the Greek, well, give me a good amen, and let's get ready for the message today. I want to give you three quick things. I'm going to invite a couple people out with me to, to help do the message today. The reason this is so important is because we're, it's really important to constantly realign ourselves with how God kind of experiences our relationship with him and how he's kind of set things up. Maybe some of us, we've heard of the story of David and Goliath. Well, I want to backtrack that story just really quickly for you. David came from a big house full of brothers. His dad's name was Jesse. And at one point, there was a prophet by the name of Samuel. A prophet is simply someone who told the, the community, the culture, the nation, hey, here's what God is saying. 
And Samuel is told by God, hey, I want you to go to the house of Jesse because you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. And so Samuel shows up and Jesse grabs all of his well-to-do sons, the successful, the successful sons, the sons with the five-year plan, the sons who have been living in the gym, you know, just look good. And he lines them up and Samuel goes one after the other and says, it's not this one, it's not him, it's not this one. And he gets to the end of the line, he says, is anyone left? Is there any other son that you have? They say, well, there's David. And he's like, why isn't he here? Well, he's, he's the runt of the family, Samuel. He's not, he's not who, like, visually looks the part. And he says, where is he? Well, he's out in, the, out in the fields tending the sheep. He says, well, bring him in. And immediately when Samuel sees David, he realizes, and God tells him, this is the next king of Israel. And he anoints him right there. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, here's how this all plays out. Here's what it says. It says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. I would encourage you just to Take a deep breath right there for a second. (laughs) The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, if we're so worried about pleasing people, we're going to care about what we look like. That's okay. It's totally fine to put effort into what you wear and the way you look. That's fine. But if we all want to please God, we can't let that get out of sync with the fact that our heart has to be just as healthy, has to be just as pure as well. Because you can look beautiful on the outside, but yuck, yuck, yuck on the inside. You can look like you have everything together on the outside, but inside your heart is just one beat away from brokenness. Your heart is just one beat away from giving up. And God can see that. They lined up all the well-to-do brothers and the physical healthy ones and the guys who looked like kings, and God said, nope, it's this guy with a pure heart. And that's my posture that I want to have in my life. It's what I want to encourage you to have today, too, because of these two statements right here. First thing is that Jesus did not come into the world simply because we have some bad habits that need to be broken. I want to tell you, Jesus is not a motivational speaker. (laughs) Jesus is not trying to get you to have healthy hacks to lead just a healthy life that's just for you. He's not about just giving you better habits, which those are good things, but they're not at the root of the issue. They're not at the core of everything. So yes, there are some things in our life we need to stop doing and start doing, and there are some things in our life that we need to get rid of. But deep down, it's a lot, honestly, it's a lot easier to do, the, to do that. It's easier to change habits and change the outside. But what Jesus was ultimately coming to do that we see kind of at play right now in our culture is that Jesus was coming into the world because we have polluted hearts that need to be purified. Hate to break it to you, local city church, but your heart's a little polluted, as is mine. And it daily needs to be purified. It daily needs to be cleaned. It daily needs to sit in the filter of God's word, God's presence, the filter of prayer, so that when your life is poured out, it is pure. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And in, the, in this conversation, we've, we've intentionally strategized it through the month of May because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And today, I wanted to take some time for the good chunk of the message to not just share with you what God's Word says, which is so key and and so vital and above everything, but also invite you to clearly see how this works out in people's stories, people who have walked through mental health difficulties and have found healing and have found encouragement. So I'm going to invite a couple people out to the stage uh, with me today, and uh, and I'll invite them out first, and then I'll give you their names. Would you welcome them real quick? Welcome Jonathan and Olivia for me, guys, as they come on out. You guys come on there, yeah? Grab a seat on our little couch right here. Awesome. So... Yes, very nice. Get cozy on there in that little love scene. Very nice. <laughs> um, so um, this is uh, Jonathan and Livia, and I want to introduce them really quick. Jonathan, um, 
He is our worship director here at uh, church and does an incredible job helping our worship team and leading them and organizing them. Yeah, you can give it up for Jonathan. He does a great job. Worship encourages you. And this is Livia, who's been coming to our church for a while now and uh, is an assistant principal at an elementary school, right? I mean, come on. That's, yeah, I mean, worship's one thing, but assistant principal, come on. (laughs) Job's a lot harder. Um, But they've walked through some, some, some things in their life, some difficult things. Um, where it's maybe polluted their hearts and minds a little bit, some situations or some things internally that they've dealt with. And I wanted to give them time to kind of help unpack this message with me, but also give, them, give you guys kind of a testimony of where they're at. Because I believe nothing connects better than seeing someone who's going through something and they've made it through. So good. Seeing, and Livia is also so great about the amens and the so goods as well. So I'm a little bummed she's up here and not down there. So you need to help me out. Um, but the key is, is that there, all of us have individual stories in here. And so today, if you can see how God has shown up in these individual stories, you'll be encouraged walking out today to see how God can step up into your individual story. So what I want to do is give these guys just a couple minutes to kind of give some background on the, maybe the mental health issues they've dealt with and how they're walking through it now. And then we'll get into a little deeper of some conversation within the message today. So Jonathan, why don't you give us a minute or two, kind of introduce yourself, all of the above. Hello. My name is Jonathan. Um, So my mental health struggle, um, who who has heard of OCD? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Um, For me, the the way OCD kind of took root for me was a term called scrupulosity, which is essentially religious OCD. Wow. So it's an obsession with... Uh, and so the term goes, scruples, which is your morals, your behavior, um, your standing with God. Um, so I would be obsessed with these things, and um, it just leads into kind of a cycle of um, unhealth, mentally, mental unhealth, um, always striving for, uh, to feel, not, not to be, but to feel like you're right with God. Um, and to inevitably, I'm constantly earning um, God's love. I'm trying to earn his love um, and never really resting in um, who I am in him. Uh, so that's been, that's a quick synopsis of, of what I've dealt with pretty much my entire life. Still deal with it to this day, to this very day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And thank you for saying that word because I always mispronounce it. Scrupulosity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what an insight that it, some people probably didn't even know that was a thing and like yeah. that it manifests that way. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of the freedom that you found through yeah. this pure in heart idea and moving through that. But Livia, give us a little bit about your story. Hi, I'm Livia. Yeah. Um, about a year ago, really around today, a year ago, wow. my whole entire life that I knew for 10 and a half years completely changed overnight. Um, I walked through what I would consider the darkest season of my life um, through divorce. And um, there was a lot of shame and guilt that came with that. Um, It was a long couple of months that we walked through that together. And um, I was so unbelievably sad. Mm. And just walking and having to continue to live um, and perform, you know, you're, you're responsible for 800 children and 50 (laughs) teachers. And, um, walking through that, uh, was the darkest season of my life. Yeah. And, um, glory to God, everything is so much different even now a year later. So, 
Well, thank you so much yeah. for being willing to share more of this yeah. story. And I also love what you said about this would encourage us today walking through that. Yeah. Sometimes we get to this place where we stop walking mm -hmm. and we just say, well, this is it. Yeah. This is where I'm at. Uh, this is just what I deal with. This is the mental health thing I'm always going to struggle with. But I would encourage you, you keep walking, keep taking steps. You listen to stories like today and the truth of God's word, you'll walk out of it. You will walk out of that valley of the shadow of death. You will walk out of that difficult situation. We want to help you with that today. So here's, here's the first thing. Where I'm, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a point, and then I'm going to ask them a question about this, because I believe these are the three things, that the three practices of a pure heart, and I believe help us all walk out of darkness into healing, walk out of pollution into purity. So the first thing is, is that we have to be quick to listen to the truth of God's Word. We have to be, and you're going to see all three of them say the word quick, so this isn't like, hmm, no, this is like do it today, <laughs> like quick to listen to the truth of God's word. Like it's our first reaction, our first response is to quickly do this, and it's to listen to the truth of God's word. And I love the verse that Jesus is from the words of Jesus in John 17, 17, that says, make them holy by your truth, which is capital Y, God, not mine or ours or the world's. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, God, which again is truth. <laughs> so Jesus is saying over and over again, what God's word says is true. So we should listen to it. Yeah. I would, if I were to tell you, hey, you should really listen to this person. All they do is lie. You would say, what? No, <laughs> they're lying. But we do that with the world. We do that with culture. We do that with people. And again, I'm not saying people are always lying to you, but I promise you they don't know as much as God does. I promise you they don't know as much as God does when it comes to the future, when it comes to life, when it comes to this existence and this universe. And also, their words don't have as much power as God's. So one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, and Jonathan, we'll start with you, is where, where was some God's word of truth, God's truth that you had to listen to and start to turn down the volume of maybe your own devices or your own thoughts and really, where, was, where did God's word provide some truth to you that you had to be quick to listen to in your journey here? Um, I, it's an interesting question, or yeah. the answer is interesting, because yeah. with scrupulosity and an obsession with, with these things, what I would do to respond to that obsessive, the compulsion was actually yeah. to overpray and to overread and to just be, I'm reading, but I'm not, I'm not reading, right? Yeah. I'm, there's a filter there that is was preventing me from hearing the truth of the word that I'm reading. Yeah. And so I, I would read the word and actually I, I wouldn't hear God's truth. I would say, I would hear, you're not that. You don't add up to that. Well, man, you need to fix that. Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, and so, yeah. so it's an interesting answer because yeah. um, it's just taken time to declutter a lot of what scripture has meant to me through you know, my own reading, but also counsel of others that have, you know, the foundation to be able to teach me, yeah. to, to re-teach me the scriptures yeah. that I already know, but just really what they mean. And some of that is, you know, that I don't have to earn the love of God, that it's given to me, that I am a child of the Father, that he loves me without condition, period, that I can just be and that he prefers me to grow with him as opposed to perform to add up. I, I love what you said last week, like, God doesn't expect perfection from us. He yeah. expects us to know him. Yeah. Like that's his heart. I was like, oh, yes, Jesus. That's, <laughs> that, 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 that took me years yeah. to, to learn that, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, I hope that answers that's, that's, the question. No, I think that's so good because I think a lot of us, myself included, would relate to that. 
where you read, we read Scripture, we read God's Word, and we're not looking for truth, the only truth we lean into is, why well, that's, that's a standard I'll never measure up to. Or that, they're not speaking about me when it says, you know, God so loved the world, or, you know, if God's for me, who can... No, they're not speaking about me. They don't know me. They don't know what I've been through. Or they don't know even, like, the struggles that I have in my doubts and beliefs right now. But it is for you. It is for us. It's the truth. And sometimes it is removing that religious side to realize it's not about perfection. It's all about relationship. So, Livia, through your kind of season that you walked through, where was some... Where did you have to be? Because that's... I think quick for, it's probably a good instance in your story of like, quick to listen to this, not my own situations or my own voices or even the voice of people around me. How did you be quick to listen to God's truth during that? Um, it, it was hard. It, yeah. was, um, it wasn't something that came overnight, right? So for me, I had spent my entire life listening to other people and letting them speak truth over me. And now that that relationship that I had known for 10 and a half years was over, it was like, well, how do I build the relationship? Right. So I started off with a simple Google search because (laughs) right around that time that this was all kind of falling apart, I joined local. Yeah. Um, I joined local January. Things started to transpire around April, May. Um, But I knew that the relationship that I was building was one that was going to see me through. Um, Yeah. And so the verse that came through my Google search was 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so when I took out the word um, weakness, so like my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in anxiety, depression, sadness, I just replaced that word weakness with whatever I was feeling at that time. And that was what propelled me to say, okay, God, this relationship that I, this earthly relationship that I had for 10 and a half years is over, but the relationship that you and I are going to build is going to be what sustains me. Yes. And so I just decided to dive deep. I mean, kind of like Jonathan said, like, well, knowing that relationship was going to be what pushed me through the days that were really tough. Yeah. Um, So kind of like what you said with relationships, I knew that that was a relationship that I needed to pour a lot of energy into yeah. in a different way, in a healthy way to then rebuild what will now become another healthy relationship on this side. Yeah. Heaven. And I think the, the order of relationship is so key in our life is to realizing that the most important relationship in our life is our connection to God. What does it say? Blessed are the pure in heart for they'll what? See God. Oh, look at us. Wow, Bible, Bible class in here. This is great. <laughs> for us, so they will see God, see, it, see him clearly. And then everything else will come into clarity, right? Like, it's not that you'll see God and all the relationships you ever wanted and all that. See God, period. And everything else will fall into place. And I want to pass for you guys with this statement of the understanding of quick to listen to God's word because it's true. I want you to understand that God's word is true. So the relationship we have with God's word is very important. And what I see happening in, in our generation, our culture today, is we read it and our first reaction is, I don't know if I agree with that. That's, that reaction is actually okay, but this is where, what we can't do. We read God's Word and say, I don't actually agree with that. Maybe it's not true, or maybe I have to say it in a certain way, or maybe God was saying this, or maybe in a way I want to understand it, or a way that's more culturally appropriate. I want you to understand the best posture you can have of not only being pure in heart, but is when you spend time in God's Word, say, God, your Word is true. What are you speaking to me? Here's why God's Word is true. 
None of us, we didn't speak light to darkness and somehow light showed up. We didn't create this entire universe and the world and everything that we see in six days. We did not have a son who conquered sin and death and walked out of the grave alive so we could be forgiven and free. Those are kind of the standards for your word to direct my life, and God's checked every single one of them, okay? So when I come to him and I say, okay, God, I know you created everything. I know you conquered sin and death. I know that you've spoken light to the darkness, but do you really know what you're doing? Do you really know, like, what's true? I just want you to understand the best posture you can have is one of humility. And listen, we as a church and in our circles and as your pastor, we're here to help you understand that. I'm not saying you can't have doubts. I'm not saying, hey, believe this because it's true. I am saying, believe it. It's true. And I want to help you see that. And I want to have conversation with you about it. So the second quick thing is this, is to be quick to forgive where you've been hurt. Quick to forgive where you've been hurt. This is from the same David I was talking about earlier when he writes in Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. So I'm going to come back to that verse, but I want Jonathan and, and Livia to share about, where, I mean, where do you have to forgive where you were hurt? Livia, why don't you start yeah. with that one? Um, for me, it was not just um, my ex-husband that I had to forgive. I had to forgive uh, lies that I believed growing up my entire life. Wow, okay. And I had to dispel all of those things that I thought that I knew um, and forgive myself for not really hunkering down and understanding where these things came from. Um, forgive myself for the shame that I felt, the mm -hmm. guilt that I felt, um, the exile that I felt. Yeah. Um, and so it just, it took... It took a long time, Pastor Ryan, I'm not going to lie. It took a while to understand that, that truth that God is for you and everything that happens in your life is to bring him glory and for your good. Yes. And so that was the, wow. I had to just forgive that, you know, everything that I knew up until this point felt like a lie, um, but there was some truth that was embedded in there. And then it took the hard work for me to then dispel that and then forgive everybody that yeah. kind of poured into that mentality that I had, right? This fairy tale lifestyle that I grew up with um, all came shattering down and I was left with no tools of how to navigate yeah. this new life. And so the forgiveness didn't just start with my ex-husband. It went from my family and then my friends and then to ultimately to myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think a great practice for us is sometimes just to forgive first yeah. Figure it out second. Yes. Like, just forgive and let go, and then figure it out second. And sometimes we put it out the other way. So I'm going to figure this out and see why I should forgive you, rather than just, I'm just going to forgive. <laughs> Jonathan, what do you think? Um, I think for me personally, uh, with the <clears throat> tendency to try to earn acceptance with God, you know, um, granted, you know, there were, my, you know, my parents are amazing. But could they have done things better? Sure. So there were some of those, for, you know, yeah. things that I was raised in that I had to let go of, but hurts from friends coming up that kind of led to or reinforced um, a bend towards feeling like unaccepted or rejected. Yeah. Um, so reinforced. So forgiving that and letting that go, because um, really what it ended up leading to was just uh, a, f a wall, yeah. a fear of intimacy. And so that it's translated to God. Yeah. So I can't be honest with God about who I am, which is ridiculous, but very common, because um, he knows, right? <laughs> but also, in, you know, fear of intimacy with others and ultimately myself. And, and so yeah. I, uh, 
I guess to piggyback off of what you're saying, forgive, kind of forgive myself in the sense of not seeing myself in any other way, doing my best to see myself in any other way than God sees me. Um, and that's, it's real easy to put, for me, to put myself at a standard um, that is just unhealthy. And, and to do that from a posture of I'm not enough. So just to kind of come to God fully as I am, exposed with all my stuff yeah. that I see. And he's like, eh, yeah, okay, it's okay. We'll get it. We'll yeah. get there, you know. Yeah. And just to grow from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, I think Jonathan and Olivia would agree, and also I would encourage you, is that when we forgive people of past hurt, it's not that we're saying that hurt wasn't real. It's not saying that that hurt didn't exist. It's not saying that, that what that person said was, was terrible and really hurt us or the, or the environment we grew up in or how people have abandoned us or betrayed us. That hurt is real. But we also have to understand the reality of God's forgiveness as well. And so what you realize is God looks at you and says, man, that is awful what that person did to you. That's awful what they said about you or the way they abandoned you. But I just want you to know that that hurt is real, but so is my forgiveness. But I can't, you can't experience the truth of my forgiveness until you understand and lay down the hurt that you've had in the past. And that's what God wants you to experience is that, that care, that forgiveness, and that, that freedom that he wants you to live in. And, and David's praying this verse after he'd make some big mistakes, like, just because David was a guy who had a pure heart doesn't mean he make, didn't make big old mistakes. I mean, he committed adultery. He killed somebody. Like, those are big things. Like, you know, that's, that's checks some big boxes of sin. <laughs> but he always came back to God, and he always came back to realize that these hurts, these sins I've done, do not disqualify me from stepping in to the forgiveness that God has for me. And he says, create in me a clean heart. If you need a prayer to pray in the morning, there's your first one. Like, God, before I enter this day, create in me a clean heart. Because if I try to go into work right now and speak to somebody with what's going on inside, whoo, it ain't going to be good for that person or for me. Create me a clean heart. Empty me of all that stuff that's been polluting my mind and polluting my heart and poisoning my spirit. Create me a clean heart. But I love this second part. Renew, meaning bring it back, a loyal spirit within me. You know, we talked about, Jonathan mentioned before that, you know, God is not a God of perfection. He's a God of relationship. You know what is one of the best things that you can have in a relationship, especially in your relationship with God, is loyalty. It's like, God, you know what? No matter what I do, no matter how I feel, no matter even the, maybe some disagreements or doubts I have, I'm still going to show up, and I'm going to be loyal to being with you. One of my favorite disciples, I talk about him a lot, is Peter, because not because he was the best not because he was the brightest. If you read any stories of Scripture, you see that the exact opposite is true. That Peter is the one that always is putting his foot in his mouth. Peter is always the one that's making mistakes. Peter is the only disciple that Jesus literally looked in the face and said, you are Satan, get away from me. Imagine if Jesus said that to you. It'd take years of counseling for some of us to get through that. But Peter was just loyal. He kept showing up even when it made no sense to, personally or physically. But he said, I don't know, man, Jesus is talking about love and that he'll bring me in no matter what, so I'm just keep showing up. And it was Peter who we see in the book of Acts begin to do some of the amazing, miraculous things of seeing God's church build. It's Peter and John that we see that their shadows are literally healing people because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's walking with them. Not because they were good at anything, it's because they were loyal. And they said, you know what, Jesus, if you would use us, it's all about you, it's all about you, God, it's all because of the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you just begin to flow through us? 
And what does that loyal spirit contribute? Number three, the most, one of the most important ones, these all build on each other, is that we are quick to step back into the presence of God. Both, of, both Jonathan and Olivia mentioned this. The biggest thing that can happen and that can be an impure feeling is shame. And the biggest thing that shame does is keeps us away from the presence of God. But the other thing is pride, is the fact that oh, I'm going to figure this out. I can go through enough counseling. I can get the right prescription. Not though those are bad. We believe in those things. They're advances that God has allowed to happen. But they're not everything, and they're not the only thing. Because they be, those things help you, but the only thing that will truly heal you is the presence of God. The only thing that will truly heal you and bring you into true freedom is the presence of God. Jeremiah 24-7, I will give them hearts that recognize me. They will be my people, and I will be their God, and they will return to me wholeheartedly. Everything, all the issues in our life come from the heart, and God has created our heart to recognize Him. So the reason we feel frustrated is because we're not recognizing who we were created for. I love what Livia said earlier, created for God's glory, and that leads to our good, that order. So uh, you guys tell me a little bit about that shame, that pri- even that pride that that removed you from stepping back into the presence of God, but then give us the win, give us the healing that has happened because of stepping back into those things. So, Jonathan, why don't you start us off? Uh, I mean, I think you, you nailed it. Like, the shame is what would drive perfectionistic yeah. actions and, and spiritual disciplines um, and, and compulsively doing those things. So, you know, it's just been a constant process of learning to how to just be. And that that's okay. Um, like, just be, period. So right where I am right now, I'm good. We can grow from here. But, and that's, it's a, it's a daily win. Yeah. It's a daily win. And it has to be for me. Um, because so some days are better than others, yeah. you know. Um, but the good days are when I realize, man, uh, okay, God, I can just be here. I am completely we can grow together. And that's honestly when growth happens. If I try to earn it, it doesn't happen. It may look like it on the outside. I may have checked the box of, you know, I did my two and a half hours of prayer and fasting today. <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, but it, it leads to death, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so that, does that answer your question? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's your answer. So. <laughs> um, for me, shame and guilt and pride were feelings I felt almost immediately. Yeah. And, um, again, trying to continue to do life while walking with those feelings was um, difficult. And then it was one Sunday afternoon. It just kind of all broke for me. Yeah. And I found myself um, moving out of my house, house empty, on the floor, just not understanding why, you know, I was living life. Like I was praying, I was coming to church, but God, why is it that I'm still dealing with these pains and this feeling? And what it was for me, Pastor Ryan, it was this lack of intimacy with the Lord that I lacked in that time. And it was, okay, God, I don't, I can't do this without you. Not that I don't want to. I literally can't. I cannot move from the spot without you. And that built a level of intimacy with the Lord that, um, was like shame off you, yeah. guilt off you, yes. pride off you. Yes. Um, and I just started to speak those things over my life. And just knowing that, like, although I went through this very traumatic time, the Lord was not upset with me. Yeah. And that was, that was the most freeing thing for me is that the Lord is not angry with 
decisions that I made or decisions that he made or decisions that led up to this point, the Lord just is calling me back to where he wanted me from the beginning was with him. Yeah. And so prioritizing time with him, prioritizing understanding how um, my story will then impact other people and how God would get glory from it really helped all of that, all of that to be shut off of me. Yeah, that's so good. And so before we close, I wanted to give you guys just one last like opportunity to speak life to us today as we finish. If you could just bring it all down to maybe one or two sentences of like, hey, here's what I want to encourage. If someone shows up, if someone's asked you afterwards, like, hey, I just need, I need encouragement in a sentence or two, like, what would you tell them today in, in your guys' journey specifically of like, hey, here's what I would tell you. This is what, this is what has proved true and true and true for me over and over and over again. What would you encourage them with? Um, I, it would be hard to do it in two sentences, so I'm going to try my best. But um, I want people to know that when you're healing with God and alongside God, it's not linear. There's no end point. There's no um, I've made it, I've arrived. It's something I struggle with every day. Yeah. Um, but what I love, which are one of our taglines here at church, is that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Yeah. And that is a phrase that I carry with me all the time, get out of your own yeah. way and allow God to bring and instill that hope in your heart. Yeah. And you can walk through anything. I mean, there are still days I'm in therapy. Um, there are still days where I struggle, but yeah. I just know that some days I have a boulder of faith. Some days I have a mustard seed of faith and that faith and that hope is what gets me through. Yes. And that's what will get us through yeah. no matter what you're walking through. That's great. That's great. Um, for me, I guess, and this isn't an original phrase, but honesty is the best policy yeah. with God. Um, go, that, go that direction. <laughs> Just be bold in your honesty with him. Yeah. Um, and as far as mental health struggles, typically um, what I've learned is the problem is not the problem. So like when, you, when you're afraid or if you have this issue, I'm doing this too much or... Um, whether it's sin or just anger or whatever, like that's not the problem. The, the problem is in the heart, which we've talked about. Yeah. So invite God into that space as opposed to help me fix this behavior, etc. But go, the problem isn't the problem. Go behind the problem to where the, the heart issue is and, and walk with God there. Yes, that's so good. Would you guys give a nice shout of thanks for Jonathan and Livia sharing today? Oh guys, that was so great. Yes, yes. Man, I love the power of story. And I just wanted to finish today and give you the last two statements there on uh, your card. And I just think they're my kind of two few sentences I would give you today is, is that seeing God is the great goal of being pure in heart. That's the goal, seeing God. But we abandon that goal and culture collapses. I just want you to know that. God created our community. God created this. God created what you and I are doing here. And if we leave God behind and stop seeing him, all that collapses. And we're seeing that in the forefront of our news, in the forefront of these tragedies, in the forefront of what's going on. And for us, I would encourage us to pray that prayer in the morning. God, create me a pure heart again so that I can simply see you. And that's the invitation for every single one of us today, to see God more clearly, to see God for who he is, and to see God for the things that he has for you and the beauty that is in person of Jesus Christ. Again, the prophet Jeremiah encourages us, and maybe this will free you from some things today, is that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And God knows all, the, all that's in there. 
All the good stuff, all the bad stuff, all the security and all the insecurity, all the confidence and all the fear, all the belief and all the doubts. It, just like what they just said, honesty is the best policy and you got to walk with God to find that healing. I want you to know today you got to seek God with all your heart. This is not a toe-in type thing. This is not a, I'll try it every now and then. It only works when you say, this is about my all. I'm giving my all to God. I'm giving him everything that I have. And this is the last thing I want to give you. I don't, it's not up on the screen, but on your note cards, here's what it says. This is the action step for today. It's that if you want to, if you want to be pure in heart, pursue God with, it's a big word here, pursue God with single-mindedness. There's only one thing I'm worried about, and it's seeing God. There's only one thing I'm worried about, it's my relationship with Jesus, because everything flows from that. There's this story in the Bible, I'll give you two stories to close. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus is coming to someone's house, and, and uh, Martha, one of the sisters there, is cleaning and cooking and making sure everything's prepared, which is good. I mean, that's good. We do that every Sunday. We want to make sure everything is prepared and clean and, and good for you because you're going to be our guest, but also because it's worthy of the excellence of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But what Jesus is reminding Martha in this moment is what her sister Mary is doing, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. And that's the order of things. And what Jesus says is, Martha, Mary's found the one thing the one thing that she can never lose and the one thing that will influence all the other things. And that's the relationship she has with me. The second story I want to give you, it's always my challenge. And on Memorial Day, it's a more relaxed weekend, but I want to give you this challenge. We say it to people in our church, that the way we find that purity in our heart is just to trust God and be consistent and renew that loyal spirit again and to step back into his presence. So I would challenge you, just give God a year and see what he does. Give God a year think about someone like Livia's story, where they were at last year and where they're at now. I think about a text I got from a guy in our church that last year, he said, hey, when you said that, you know, give, our, give, give your church a year, keep showing up on Sundays, get in a community group or a circle, go through growth track and start serving. I did that and I just said, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to give the year. I'm going to take it step by step. He started a, a year-long uh, Bible plan through his version app to read the Bible in a year. And he texted me the other day and he's like, hey, I just finished that my 365th day of reading the Bible in a year with tears in my eyes because I can't believe where I'm at. I can't believe where God's brought me. I can't believe the relationship I have with God now. And that's the invitation for all of us today. That's the invitation that God is showing us today that we can simply see Him. Everything will flow from that. Does that encourage you today, local city? Does that help you today? Come on, let's give Jesus some praise today.